This is Chapter 17, Part 4 of The War on Waste Paradox by Len Bertain, read by Len Bertain. As you may recall, in the last episode, Mac and John came to peace, and Chris is still whining about his job and that he's a fair person and all that good stuff. So let's go on here. So Mac went on. I want to make a few more points about the system support that we talk about. There are basically six types of system support I think you should know about. They are information systems, rules and policies, rewards, reward systems here, time systems, physical work layout systems, and technology. Let me run through the first two real quickly, and we'll get into some more detail on the others. Number one, information. Of course, information is very important. Managers and supervisors usually control the flow of information to their subordinates. Information flow through the organization is usually slow and in controlled amounts because knowledge is power. Those with the knowledge trickle the knowledge to those to maintain their power. But a worker must know the results of his work as it is performed in order to judge his or her daily performance. That's what we've been talking about throughout this class. Number two of the major system support types are rules and policy. What we saw in our discussion earlier was a set of rules and policies that were established at some time to solve a particular problem. When John set up the MRP system, he set up some firm rules to help him get it installed and running as best he could. He got it going, but the rules and policies were getting in the way of getting the work out. So the rules and policies have to be examined, and maybe even changed. In Chris's case, the rules and policies and measures were not able to give the results that would help the company executives make better decisions. They were being fed information based upon inaccurate input. Chris and the company have to rethink the rules and policies of his department to ensure that the right change occurs as a result of their input. To summarize, three things need to happen to make change occur. John, what are they? John snapped to the ability, the willingness, and the system support. Sir, Mac responded, right on. Now let's get quickly through the other issues. Rewards. All employees respond positively to rewards, but the key here is that the reward must encourage the behavior we want. If we want people to cooperate in teams, then they needed to be rewarded for team behavior. For example, the Change Review Board, or our Tribal Knowledge Council, is going to give bigger incentives for ideas coming from a team. The reward must encourage that behavior. I always like to talk to owners and CEOs who talk about teamwork, but reward their executives for individual performance. Does that create teamwork? Everyone shook their heads as if to concede the point. So whatever change we want to create, we drive it with the reward system. And one other thing, remember, all rewards aren't monetary. The fourth 
system, time. Excuse me for rushing these points. I'm trying to get the basic messages across, and I'm going to give you an assignment. The main reason time and control is a system support issue is that managers must give their employees time to get the work done. Workers need to communicate effectively to work in the team. If a manager sees workers talking and tells the supervisors to tell them not to talk, then the workers are getting mixed messages. You want them to work and communicate, but you're not giving them the time to do it. Discussion takes time, and it takes time away from doing your value-added work. And time is required to do any job well. So we're encouraging workers to improve the operation, to encourage both work and continuous improvement requires time. The system must allow time for both. If we want to change to a new culture, we must allow time for the ideas to be absorbed. When people begin asking about a job procedure, that is time that is part of the job. I will talk about the other two items, physical work layout and technology, in the next WOW class. In the meantime, I want you to all think about the areas you control that will make the changes we want to happen. Is that a deal? Everyone nodded and the group dispersed. As Dr. Elby was leaving, he ran into Mr. Grimes. Jack, I was thinking about another paradox. Do you have a minute? Of course, John, Dr. Elby responded. I was thinking about our discussion this morning, and I realized that I'm guilty of another paradox. Do you want to hear it? I'm all ears, John. I'm all ears. You know how we're trying to create teams? Well, whenever we had teams in the past, I rewarded people individually, and I never got real excitement about those projects. So I have another paradox. People who want to run an organization with teams that reward individual performance. Is that getting close? Dr. Hubby responded, Yes, it is. The fact that you were able to put that together from our conversation this morning indicates that you're thinking about the issue in the correct way, but you're not there yet. We'll get there. Mr. Grimes sounded a little disappointed, almost like a six-year-old who lost his sucker. Man, do you do this to all of your clients? This is not easy to think about, but I will noodle it some more, in fact, over the weekend. By the way, Jack, I have a, have a good weekend. I will be in here with one of the teams as moral support, Dr. Elvey went on, but I don't think you should come in. Be surprised. Over the weekend, the whole family was interested in Daddy's project. Buddy wanted to look at the drawings. Sandy was excited about her idea that it was actually being implemented. We actually were going to move the machine. Her idea really wasn't dumb. That's the end of Chapter 17, Part 4. Now I'd like to read some insights that I'm trying to provide you on this chapter. These are the Chapter 17 insights. In this chapter, we find Chris is freaking out because his turf is being encroached upon. He is obviously protecting his special tribal knowledge, and is resentful that anyone would think that he could do anything wrong. But, as Jim points out, his information is not only wrong, but it costs the manufacturing operation time, and therefore the company a lot of money. 
we have observed over and over that those in staff positions with their tribal knowledge integrated into the value-added process are very often fair game for big wastes. They just naturally stick out a sore thumb. And in most cases, that information is exposed as waste, but maybe not as dramatic as in the situation at Quality Pump. As we usually do the process map, we expose many of the staff function tribal knowledge steps on the map. As we work through the line positions where value-added operations are done, tribal knowledge gets into the details of how a job is done. So we don't have much success exposing wastes until we dig them into the pro dig into them with project teams. A brief comment here on the role that energy plays in our business model. As you know, I have a physics background and I'm always looking at ways to apply my background to the work that I do. Energy is one of the most important concepts to explain what happens during the war on waste or any business initiative. We use the term energy to describe the process of increasing the value-added activity of a company. From my physics days, I used the second law of thermodynamics to describe energy conservation by introducing another term called entropy. Entropy is a measure of the disorganization of a system. The second law tells us that if we increase entropy, that's decreasing order, we will decrease energy and vice versa. This is analogous to what happens if you have teenagers and you leave them alone over the weekend. While you are gone, the disorder increases. That's an increase of entropy. Because there is reduced energy input with your absence. When you return, you restore order, decrease entropy with the addition of your, quote, positive energy like clean up the damn room. This is what a war on waste does, and the energy is seen in the discussion with Chris in this chapter. This adds energy to a company. In the story of Quality Pump, at this point of, in the process, lots of energy is going into the company, and so some semblance of order is being restored, as seen in some of the early improvements that are taking place. Think of the war on waste as an energy initiative. It will take three or four years for the war on waste energy to be sustained. When it nears the end of its energy cycle, a new energy initiative needs to be found. This is precisely what Jack Welch did at GE. First there was the workout initiative, and that was followed by a number of new initiatives every four years or so. A number of different types of initiatives have been sponsored by different CEOs. For instance, Ray Dolby has the culture that flourishes on the energy created by the company's fixation on audio sound system perfection. That environment creates its own source of energy. Herb Kelleher of Southwest Airlines creates energy initiatives with his wingding flings. He gets employees excited to deliver their services to their customers. The CEO's job is to find that new energy initiative. In fact, we believe that this is one of the CEO's job responsibilities as defined in the quantum leap. We have sort of modified our thinking in this regard. We believe instead of making 
the war on waste and similar lean initiatives, one-time events with lots of energy associated with them, but rather you should make coming up with new ideas an infusion of energy on a continuous basis part of every manager's job. In this chapter, we also see two separate discussion sessions between Dr. Elby and Mr. Grimes on the subject of the war on waste paradox. Mr. Grimes is starting to see the presence of paradox corollaries, but he is getting impatient to get to the answers. We'll make some progress in the next chapter. That's the end of chapter 17. See you in chapter 18. Thank you very much.